Syria Ah fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. I'm Chris with Marco and Tad, and we're back for Week 25 in the Syria President's Day here in the U.S. with most of D.C. getting off today. How are you guys? Enjoying my day off. Whole weekend was amazing, man, like 70 degrees every day. Yeah, weather was awesome. So nice to have a day off, lay back, do a little extra research for the pod. Came nice and prepared tonight, guys. All right. And we uh, we have the whole house to ourselves this time because Leslie is out with her friend watching the new Fifty Shades of Grey movie. So Interesting. All right. We'll need a full review of that next week, I guess. <laughs> Back to uh, podcasting world. Uh, we said last week we were going to an Italian-American Italy event uh, out at Parlay in, the, in our nation's capital here in D.C. What did you guys think? Uh, got to speak some Italian there? Yeah. I was amazed that every time I turned, you were talking to a new girl, Chris. I mean, <laughs> this man is smooth passing out them business cards. Um, but no, it was it was a good time, and it's nice to connect with the Italian-American community. Uh, Italians in D.C., thanks for hosting this event. And uh, it was supposed to be for sports events. Uh, we got, in a, got a lot of love, so really appreciate it. Yep, and uh, a Roma victory in uh, Europa. Which that, was, that was the best part, yep. for just a 4-0 thrashing. More on that later. Uh, but first, just catching everybody up on some weekend events. We had the NBA All-Star Game, and uh, just like our pe- Pepper, our podcasting pug, uh, it was kind of a snoozer. <laughs> it was uh, currently snoozing right, right below us right now. I keep poking him because he's, <laughs> he's just snoring so loud. He's so hey, cute. If, if, you're, if you hear any snoring on this podcast, it's from an adorable pug. There you go. <laughs> So, yeah, keeping with that theme, guys, what did you think? The All-Star Game, the dunk contest wasn't too great. What did you guys think? Well, I mean, I I honestly cannot stand the uh, NBA All-Star Game because none of the players take it seriously. But it's sweet that, uh, like, Ronaldinho is everywhere. Basically liken the All-Star Game to seeing a Genoa-Bologna game where, you know, like, it's different because it's all like super good players, you know, obviously they're there, but it's like nothing good is happening. And then every once in a while you have something that makes you turn your head and go, wow, that, that was impressive. Yeah. The epitome of it for me was when uh, there was a breakaway and Steph Curry literally laid down on the ground watching everyone go by f- up for the dunk. Like it's just, I mean, the NBA embraces the fact that it's an exhibition game, but uh, I agree. Not, not too uh, exciting. They should do two on two. Every, but every team in the league yeah. picks two guys and they have a big tournament. That's that a great idea. That would be cool. I do like the skills challenge, but at any rate, we did see uh, like Champions League, their social media connected uh, the, the All-Star Weekend with Ronaldinho and stuff. So that was cool to see just some, some American culture there uh, in the Champions League uh, social media stuff. And with that note with Champions League, uh, an Italian famous face we also saw with uh, Champions League, Roberto Baggio. We saw him out there for the Napoli uh, Real game uh, last week. Just had a 50th birthday and uh, ended up celebrating it with earthquake victims, which I was uh, that was that was cool to see. So, congrats, well done, Roberto Baggio, for that. Had a question for you guys of just uh, what do you think of uh, Roberto and and when was your first memory of this guy? Well, I mean, my first memory of this guy, I I didn't follow soccer like when he played the '94 Olympics, the U.S. My first memory is this guy is seeing a po- World Cup. Sorry, World Cup. Yeah, I, I wasn't into soccer in the World Cup in '94. Um, but my first memory of Roberto Baggio is seeing his poster on the wall, and I'm like, "Who is that guy?" Yeah. And an Italian guy turns, looks me dead <laughs> in the eye, and he goes, "The Divine Ponytail." <laughs> that is absolutely his trademark look. If anyone has seen any poster out there with a ponytail, chances are. That was Roberto Baggio. I remember Roberto Baggio on Brescia with that V across the, the chest and uh, just a legend. And he played all over Italy. So happy birthday, Roberto Baggio. Pure class, that guy. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember that was my first World Cup memory for sure for the Italian club. Going from one Italian legend to an Italian-American legend, there was an article in the New York Times uh, yesterday, today, 
Um, Mike Piazza, who we've talked to uh, in the past at, at a different Italian-American events, and his newly purchased Reggiana uh, kind of followed him through uh, the past couple weeks, I guess, of uh, what it's like to own an Italian team, why he got involved with it. So we published that out on our social media accounts. Uh, did you guys get a chance to read it, look it over? Oh, yeah. Well, Mike's a fan of the show, so I read anything that comes along with him, and we're going to have to have him on the show sometime soon. Forza Reggiana. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I looked them up. They're uh, they're in a tight race in the top five for uh, Liga Pro down there in, I guess, Serious City, Liga Pro, whatever they're calling it. Uh, but but super excited, uh, hope, hoping that they can advance and, and uh, get up to Serie A as soon as possible. Speaking of Americans and league guys, yeah, Hope Solo might be going to Fiorentina. And more social media there. I was pretty excited about that. Uh, there's a lot of U.S. women's national team players going out to England right now uh, for the women's clubs out there. Uh, Man City, Man U, um, things this, like that. Is this part of like a restraining order or something? Yeah, I was going to say. And can you imagine her and Raja Nanglin's sister playing each other in in in, in the the Syria Women's League. Anything. What are you what are you more excited about, Chris Ross? Joey Bag of Donuts for Torino or Hope Solo for Fiorentina? I any American connection to uh, Syria women's or men's, I'm certainly going for that. So if this move happens, uh, happy for Hope Solo. I know she's uh, controversial, but. Hey man, she played for the U.S. Women's National Team. So. She, she, why doesn't she just play for Crotone, like the men's team? Like, I think she's good enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of so- Hope Solo uh, as a goalkeeper, and honestly, I don't really follow up with the gossip. We just messing around, Hope. <laughs> yep. Other uh, social media stuff, uh, just some local things, guys. Uh, did you see DC United here? The owner of DC United also owns Inter. And they just announced that uh, they're, they're going to name their new stadium. Uh, Audi got the, the uh, naming rights to it. Uh, and they're super excited about the stadium, but uh, talking about modernizing Inter's stadium, Giuseppe Miazza Stadium as well. What do you think? I mean, San Siro or Giuseppe Miazza, apparently, when Inter plays there, I I think it's a great stadium. And it has a huge, Beautiful. huge um, approval rate in Italy. When people always talk about going and seeing the, you know, some of the better stadiums in Italy, they talk a lot about San Siro. I was there one time, not for a soccer game, for a Bruce Springsteen concert. And like the level of service compared to the Olympico was crazy. Like everyone was super nice and helpful. Where at like Roma, like somebody's sitting in your seat at the Olympico and they, you'll go tell the steward and he'd be like, oh, it's the Curva. Like people sit wherever they want. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the best stadiums in Europe. And if it gets modernized even more, you know. I just, uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think it plays in nicely to this growing trend we've been talking about. Uh, being Roma fans, we, we got the hashtag Famosto Stadio, hoping that effort goes through and Roma gets their new stadium. But it would be a good thing for Serie A for sure uh, that, that we get uh, modernized stadiums there. I think it would go a long way. Finally, guys, uh, had a great weekend with BN. Can you believe it? I can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, BN. Showing some Serie A love uh, with the hashtag Tutto Calcio and interacting with fans on Twitter and social media and all that. Um, pretty cool. Uh, we, we got to have a few uh, tweets back and forth with the announcers uh, during the games, uh, during the Roma game, and uh, just thought that was pretty cool. I mean, when all things are working for, for BN, they do a great job. I mean, Multi Calcio... You know, when they choose to pan between games, sometimes it's a little weird, but, you know, we definitely appreciate BN putting the stuff on BN Connect and, and uh, you know, the announcers are absolutely passionate about Serie A, so, you know, props to BN this week. Yeah, shout out to Matteo Bonetti, Richard Whittle, obviously we're all big Whittle Richard fans around here, <laughs> um, Andreas Cordero um, for tweeting at us and, and, and giving us shout outs, so... Um, Keep pushing your producers to show as much Serie A soccer as possible because I think an, an Espanol versus Villarreal game sounds like the seventh layer of hell to me. <laughs> I would rather watch Empoli Genoa. All right, so yeah, that's that's where our loyalties lie. Uh, good good weekend for BN. We're we're happy with the uh, with the effort. So from that social media stuff to our own social media, we got a couple uh, accounts that we'd hope you can follow. We got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can hit us up an email, fabio at curveamerica.com. And we have a collaboration on another website, asroma360.com. You can find our podcast on there as well. I just, I just want to throw something in here, Chris. Um, you know, I know I don't ever really talk much about the social media, 
But if you happen to be an iTunes subscriber, <laughs> uh, if you could go on it and rate and comment on the uh, the, the podcast, uh, that's a great way for us to get found. It's very, very important. Mobilizing the Curve American community, rate and comment. That's right. And we had some interaction uh, last week. Tad threw out there, anyone who could, takes a photo of them taking a shot of olive oil, Marco will double the effort uh, on this week's podcast. So that's what happened. Shout out to Mike out there, uh, a member of uh, Roma Club DC as well. So uh, during this podcast, Marco, you got two shots of olive oil coming your way, buddy. All right, here we go, Mike. I know <laughs> you called me out at the Roma game. You're, you're sipping on that olive oil, making it look good. But Hold on, let me... Let me get this videoed. I know that it was actually painful, Mike, <laughs> but I'm going to take it. In a Roma Club no, a cup, no less. So It's good, man. What'd you think, Mike? <laughs> oh, I thought he was through it. I thought he was going to get through without the cough. You're getting better at it, man. Well done. I'm trying. All right. So Marco's taking his beverage of choice uh, down. Tad, what do you got this week? What are you drinking? I have a, a, a faceplant IPA from Lost Rhino, which is a brewery in Ashburn, Virginia, um, in Northern Virginia, just outside D.C. Um, I actually have a personal story with them where I tried to sell them office furniture and they bought it from somebody else. So, But I, I still, still support local brew. Um, speaking of which, our pump-up song gravy by a band called warm brew guys you heard it here first listen to that song it's too hot the game too cold and that song too hot very nice i am uh sticking with the wine as always uh going to an argentinian wine with clearly some immigrant roots here elsa bianchi cabernet cabernet sauvignon uh so some some good wine from uh Cab yeah some argentinian wine from some italian immigrants i'm sure so cheers, guys. Uh, everyone settle in and uh, hope you enjoy Curve America, week 25, and the rundown. We got another week with only a single draw in Serie A for week 25, and Fatboy G and Jekko continue to thrash. But there's some tensions there between Benucci and Allegri up in Torino. We got Spalletti backing Toti for another final season at Roma, hoping for it, a new as, contract. As many final seasons as you want, Capitano. That's, that's right. And uh, up there at AC Milan, we've got Abercrombie, Summergirl, Delafoe, and Gabagol. Both get their first Serie A goals for the winners on their respective teams. And finally, Zem- I'm going to get, get used to saying this. Zemanlandia. Zemanlandia, yeah, down in Pescara. Zeman takes the basement team to a 5-0 win as the Canned Dolphins, Forza Delfini. That fan base goes from firebombing their team president's house to planning where they're going to put the Zeman statue. So let's take it from the top, guys. The top five is next. All right, up first, we got Juve and Palermo. This one's at Juventus, and Juve finishes like they know how, 4-1. The new Palermo coach, Mr. Lopez, seems good for Sicily, but not good enough for Juventus. I'm just going to jump right into the goals here, guys. This game really was just classic Juve all the way around. First goal, it's a free kick 30 yards out. Iguain running onto the chipped ball. He gets his shot smacked down, but the rebound falls right into Marquisio's lap. And we got one nothing in the 12-minute mark. Second goal is Dybala, and this is a goal of the week candidate for me. Uh, He's got a free kick outside the box, absolutely curls it going over the wall and hits the side netting with this. I mean, just an... Unbelievable goal. Yeah, just a disgusting goal. What a goal. Fantastic. So Juve's mass gladiator strikes again. And the big question for you guys, would this be the only news out of Juve's dynamic duo, Fat Man and Robin? I think not. (laughs) No, we got another classic Juve goal in the works with Iguain running on to a chipped ball into the box by his counterpart Dybala. And Fat Man and Robin strike again. We got 3-0 in the 58th minute. Holy Juve goals, Fat Man. (laughs) Fat Man. Yeah. I mean, the, the Higuain's goal was basically the exact same goal he had for his first goal last week. Just yep. incredible. Running and chipping. That's what he does. Then it goes bad to worse for Palermo. Uh, Posovec dives into full force with Iguain and Goldeniga. 
dangerous trying to jump in with Iguain there, but uh, he stays in a game like a hockey player here. But you know, concussion protocol. I guess it's uh, not not really taken seriously. I thought he Serie broke a. his collarbone on that man. It was wild. When when the I, the Palermo defender, I can't remember his name, was like trying to help him and like move him around. He looked limp and just clearly looks like a concussion to me. Got to got to get out of there and uh, make sure you're safe. Got a from the crowd though. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah, well done, Juve fans. So then the fourth goal, we got a mistake in the Palermo defense at midfield, mind you, and that leaves Iguain, Il Chiatone, the ch- the chubby one, drudging up the fields, racing against the Palermo defenders here to try to catch him. Uh, they do catch up with Il Chiatone, so no real surprise there. But uh, before they do, he backheels it to Dybala, who finishes, and he's got his brace. No word here on Dybala dedicating the brace to Rihanna because today he posted out a photo of him on Instagram. I guess it's her birthday or something. You guys should check it out because Dybala, who's a famous person in the world, looks absolutely starstruck in this photo of just, oh, oh God, it's Rihanna. <laughs> He's giving her a jersey or something like that. So we end the game. Palermo kind of gets a, a just a crap goal. It's a header right past Buffon. Doesn't really move. Buffon rocking the all-yellow goalkeeper jersey here. It's just the minion fashion trend continues uh, in Syria. So that that's Buffon this week. From a league perspective, guys, anyone stealing points away from Juve, I think that anyone in the top six or seven teams is probably hoping at this point because we're running out of season, right? I mean, Juve's running away with it. They're they're at, at 1.10 points up on the rest of the league this season, uh, this week. So the weekly question, uh, is Palermo going to help everybody out? I don't think you can hope too much for Palermo, but there's some talk here of Juve imploding internally that might give uh, the the top seven teams some hope here. Uh, Some more drama at the end of this game. Juve subs all happening in the second half. And uh, Benucci, who was not one of the three subs, doesn't like it. Eventually says something to Allegri, and Allegri responds, throwing some obscenities back at Benucci's way. That's the third time that's happened this season, guys. React players reacting badly at the end of the game. What do you think? Uh, is this trouble in paradise for Juve, or uh, is it just competitors being competitive in the Serie A? Well, it makes you wonder, you know, because you got this team of championship players who seemingly are mega composed under pressure, and then you got a guy like Allegri who, you know, he's had some history of bouts with players, uh, and I'm sure he's got a certain amount of ego himself. Um, end of the day, here's a team that is just championship caliber. Uh, I, you know, you could spin this, you know, positively for Juve. You got players on there. You got two starting lineups worth of, of, uh, of a roster that you can bet put on the field and everybody's super competitive. Everybody wants to make the difference. I think Juve can spin this in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, anytime you see essentially the de facto leader, not Gigi Buffon on um, Juventus, that being Bonucci. And for my money, he'd probably be the first defender I would take in a world draft of players. He's absolutely incredible. Um, You know, getting verbally chewed out by the coach who's using foul language. I mean, okay, we got two fired up Italians. So, I mean, you you can maybe understand what they're saying by the hand gestures, but... uh, (laughs) You know, I think that it's it's something that Juventus needs to be concerned about because, um, you know, the levity man, Patrice Evra, they sent him away. So now we have these super serious, you know, a, a team that's trying to go forward. And just these things start to become a, a plague. So first chink in the armor can, you know, spider web into a problem where they find themselves only three points up on a Roma team and a Napoli team right now that are playing absolutely out of their minds. Yeah, but look look at like in Chelsea, right? Speaking of Juve Conte, like last week, he's grabbing his assistant coach off the bench, throwing him around, pushing him around. Everyone's like, what the heck's going on here? But in the end, these are Italians. Like you said, they're just passionate. They're uh, physical. And, uh, you know, especially when you have players with a little bit of experience under the belt, they get a little riled up. And I don't think that there is a, an internal or some sort of an implosion happening. We'll see. They've got some big games coming up, and uh, you know you got to think if one thing goes bad, it, it could truly be the end of uh, 
you know, just everything positive, you could really, I, I could see them imploding. I really what's, could. What's the difference between Banucci and Allegri and Baca and Montella? Like they're all screaming at each other. They're, they're, there's fines being thrown around. There's got to be some sort of lingering tension. I don't care who you are. Um, you know, you get verbally dressed down and you're, you know, Banucci, a player of his caliber by, by the coach who's been linked to Arsenal and talks with Arsenal lately. You know, maybe you're not going to feel like you want to play for this guy. But if any team can pull it out and be professional, it's got to be Juventus. That's right. That's what they've done all season so far. So um, until further notice, it's nothing. Juve's in first place, got 63 points. And Loli Palermo, 14 points down in 18th, trying to catch Empoli and get out of the danger zone. All right, guys, moving on. We got the next team up, uh, the one closest to our hearts, Roma and Torino. This one finished 4-1 in Roma's favor. Roma dismantled Torino and maintained a two-point lead for second place. So what would you guys think, guys? I want to start off by just kind of giving a golf clap to Roma Club DC. Watching the game, like, in a crowd, in an environment like that, when that first goal went in, like those were the moments that you kind of live for of just like this is why you want to watch in a crowd uh environment it was just well done and just a great atmosphere on a really nice day uh so well done roma club dc yeah man i was watching the game and we were going nuts singing chase solo and capitano screaming out after the goals and i looked around and i was like man this is awesome we have our own roma club like we don't have to be watching this at being at home you know? right exactly it's- exactly you get to watch it with uh fellow fans which is I think part of the experience. So to the game itself, guys, what'd you think? Uh, like I said, this, this started off early in our favor. Uh, what would you think of the first goal for Roma? Look, I mean, it was clear that this game was going to be Roma's game from the opening whistle. And they were just, I don't know, it just felt like they're playing with this demeanor of a championship team. And, uh, you know, Bian's doing this live tweeting during the game and one of the questions was and i I think it was something like this uh, what is roma missing to be able to catch juventus one of the guys from the club yelled out seven points (laughs) perfect that's (laughs) because like look that's what it that's where we're at i think we're playing like a championship team but fortunately you have a team like juve who's super consistent and it's just seven points is a big gap at this point yep no we're really running out of season so we do need some results but I agree with you guys. Roma's just been clicking right now. Jekyll on this first goal too, Chris. I thought of you um, when I was watching this in the cab because it took me 45 minutes. This is nice weather in D.C., so everyone was out. Yeah. Had to go by the zoo and Georgetown where all the shopping is. Anyways, so I, was, I thought of you when he scored this one because this was a straight-up Jekyll goal that we haven't seen in a while where he bodies his way, creates space with some physicality, and then just – Kicks it exactly where he wants it to go. A right, right footer, low, hard strike, goes past the goalkeeper. And, like, that's a piece of the repertoire we haven't seen a whole lot of Jekko. And you always wondering if he knows where it's going. That one, he knew where it was going. Yep, but but stays on the point, right? I mean, okay, he scored a couple times uh, this week, but uh, I, I'm still not convinced. Every once in a while, he hits it perfect. 29 goals, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to that in a second. Yeah. So after the first goal, Salah gets his ninth in the season about seven minutes later. Uh, and really, Salah could have gotten a few more. So it's not just Jekyll playing. Uh, it, it's Salah, it's Paredes, it's Nangolan. Um, it's a team. It's, it's really it's a team effort. Absolutely. The game gets into a, a little bit of a lull uh, until the second half when Paredes just shoots a goal of the week candidate rocket. The ball pops out from a corner kick in the 65th, and this is the best shot I've ever seen Paredes take. Yeah. First time, hit, rocket, puts a hole through the net. Impressive. Yep. And before the game, I watched Tawang Fu, the, the Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo, and, and uh, Wesley Snipes movie were the drag queens. And I looked at Paredes, I'm like, He'd be a real pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, who wears more makeup, Gabigol, Paredes, or uh, Donald Trump? <laughs> so Torino, you know, they're pressing. And Fat Boy 2, the sequel, Maxi Lopez, who's been crit- criticized by Mihailovic for being a little bit overweight, he takes his chance as he's fed through on a 45 45- yard through ball from Zapacosta, the right back. And it is worth mentioning that this is right after Vermeulen comes on. This guy is either bad luck or just completely terrible. I think it's bad luck because it wasn't even really his fault, but everybody's looking at him every time the mistake's made. Yeah. 
Nangolan takes advantage of a late Totti sub to help boost his goal scoring stats and he proves once again that Totti should be coming on at the almost every single game uh, at the very end and he gets another assist. I mean Spalletti this week he says that even if Roma win the treble which is uh, you know ambitious ambitious to say the least he's not he's not going to stay if Roma do not extend Totti's contract and all I have to say to that is Spalletti bravo yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a change of base for Spalletti because Spalletti's known as like this, you know, super hardline professional, like almost drill sergeant type coach. And he rarely ever, you know, shows an open emotion and caring for an individual player. And this isn't the first time he's coached uh, Totti. So, like, you know, the last go around for Spalletti was to the height of, you know, when everyone's talking about does Totti have too much power in Roma? Is everyone trying to hang on to Totti too long? Um, and, you know, Spalletti was one of those people that wasn't afraid to, you know, sit him on the bench this basically this whole season. So for him to come out and basically highlight that, like, bring this guy back for as long as he wants to play, because he still is an impactful player, even if he's old, even if he's slow. He's just so smart and crispy out there that you know, he, he creates something every time he steps on the field. I, I think you're right on that. I mean, to Marco's point, Toti touches the ball and something happened, including in this game. But this, in my opinion, is brilliant for Spalletti because it takes all the focus off of any drama, which we've seen late in the season in the past between him and Totti, how much playing time. He's saying it right up front right now, sign him again. And then, and we don't have to talk about it anymore. I've made my opinions felt uh, heard on that. And then, you know, it's up to management whether they're going to bring him back, not necessarily Spalletti. Yeah, I mean, putting his job on the line for it, that's a great point. Yep. So, guys, back to, to Jackal. And uh, all you can say these days is golden boot. Eden's at the top of the golden boot list with 19 goals. Uh, he's got the most goals outside of France, where Cavani and Lacazette have 25, 21 goals each. Quick explanation there. It seems like some of the lesser leagues may have a smaller like factor uh, being applied to the goals. Uh, so anyways, long story short, Eden Jacko is at the top of the goal scoring list for the, for the golden boot with 19 and really he's playing with some arrogance he's got 11 goals in the last eight games in all competitions i mean based on jekyll's latest performance guys is he a true golden boot contender because i know you know crystal has some uh you know he still has some um, questions but yeah. i i i personally from the way i've seen in the last week i believe that he really is well also if you too if you if you look at the formation that rome is putting out and you look at the style of play that they have, everything goes through Dzeko once they get close to the goal. Mm -hmm. So he has a million opportunities. And what we've seen at Villarreal with the midweek and this 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 week and last week is that he's starting to convert a high number of these chances. So I foresee Dzeko, you know, if he stays hot, he's a guy that can have a brace every weekend, you know, and, and, and blow up and have a three goal games. Like he's reminding me a lot of like Luis Suarez at Liverpool in 2012 when he was just unconscious hot scoring multiple goals every game. He's I, I think he's a serious, serious contender. Yeah, I he's definitely everything uh, is going through him up top. I agree with that. Uh, and I think uh, just because of his size, he's in the right place at the right time. I can't believe that he's this close to 30 goals. I mean, it's, it's crazy because I, I've seen him miss a lot as well. I am rooting for the guy. I really am. I, I think there's other uh, more finesse strikers out there uh, besides him. So that's just it's just where I fall on Checo. Cool. Um, the mouse face killer, man. You know, that's right. So, guys, just to wrap up this game, the it was just overall dominant performance by Roma. They killed it 20 to 12 in shots. Uh and really, they haven't lost at home since November. November 2015. Se November 2015. Uh, second to uh, Juve in, in this massive streak. Um, really, there's nothing out of Torino this game. I thought there was an impressive performance out of Lukic. Uh, he showed some pace, some pace, almost scored a sick volley and had uh, a couple of assists, but you know didn't end up coming to fruition. Belotti... Um, you know, he was there. He was he was kind of playing off. He didn't get a lot of support from his teammates. So, you know, there's only so much load that hunchback can be carrying for these uh, for the squad. Well, the hunchback went up against the Greek freak and the caveman Fazio, who I thought had a great game plan to shut him down. He didn't have 
any place to be. He, he couldn't spring free. He couldn't, he wouldn't beat them in the back for those classic lob over the top, one touch goals. He has excellent performance by the back line of Roma. Yeah. The only thing I'd add for Torino is, uh, just Joey Bag of Donuts, Joe Hart didn't have a good game. So I thought some of the goals that went in, uh, you know, he, he made an effort, but uh, could have been better from him this week. So um, honestly, I thought Torino was going to give us a way bigger, stiffer challenge. Yeah, Marco and I were talking about the game, and we just smashed him. And that, as a Roma fan, is something that you really like to see. Hashtag obvious statements. Yeah. Let's finish up real quick, guys, with Roma. What we're seeing this week, and uh, some sad news too uh, from Florenzi. Yeah, uh, I mean, coming up playing Inter and then Napoli right after that. Uh, it's got to be one game at a time. You know, predictions for the next week at Inter. I think personally they're going to they're going to take care of Inter just because of the way things are going right now. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think you know, after the 4-0 thrashing we gave Villarreal midweek and then just crushing Torino this week. We get to play uh, Villarreal at home. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be a Primavera uh, uh, league game. Um, we might get to see some new faces out there for that. Um, but I think Roma v Inter, Roma's just in too much form. And the fact that Icardi is going to be back for Inter is fine. But I, I just think that Roma's going to take care of business. I, I predict two to one. It's going to be closer for me. I, I It's just because I'm a Roma fan, I guess. But Ben, don't break. You got three big games up in a row here. I think if we win, it's going to be a squeaker like one nothing or something like that. How about, uh, real quick, guys, for Florenzi, uh, yeah, some sad news just, with him. Just a heartbreaker. You know, uh, Florenzi, five months into rehab on his ACL, re-tears his ACL. He's done up for the season. Honestly, the way we've been playing and the way the lineup is right now, it's not entirely necessary to have Florenzi back this season. Like we said, we're seven points behind Juventus. Um, it's good to have that depth, but I think, you know, now he can just stay focused and work on being healthy for the beginning of next season. And he's got a great role model for somebody to look up to who's had multiple knee tears and missed a lot of time in Strootman. So I imagine, and this game you saw, they're all wearing 24, you know, on their sleeves, which was super classic. Um, Unfortunately, we'd lose him, but I can't can't wait to see him back at the beginning of next season. Get well soon, Florenzi. All right, guys, we got Roman second with 56 points and Torino, the Bulls, down in ninth place with 35 Moving on, we got another hot team with Napoli playing Chievo. They take care of business and get this one 3-1. to one. Mertens gets the day off as Napoli light up Chievo's 4-3-2-1 Christmas tree formation. What do we got for this game? Yeah, Napoli str- straight up strung the lights up on that Christmas tree and then chopped it down. I mean, this game, guys, was just a firing squad against a parked bus. It was classic. Syria action where you have one team that's just far too much better than the other. I mean, Napoli go up 3-0. First with a beautiful strike from Insigne, who's too hot these days. Then a tap in on a rebound from Hamsik, who seems to be always finding himself in the right place. And then a wind up and shoot um, from another a source of, of Napoli goals. I can't believe at the beginning of the season we're talking about where is Napoli going to get the goals um, from Peter Zelensky. And after being down three, you know, the, the 57 apparent Verona people who won a radio contest to go to the game, um, they decided to, you know, dip out the stadium and get some of Mama's pasta, basically relieving Kievo from any need to stick to any sort of game plan. The Flying Donkeys then started basically playing like the English Premier League style when the team is down. They're just running strikers to chase down lobs from the, from the back line. And unfortunately for Napoli... Koulibaly has about a five-second brain fart where he just forgets how to play defense, and he allows Mejorini to get past him and basically ruin Pepperina's clean sheet. It was a nice finish from Mejorini, though. I have to say that. Yep. Yeah, that was a, a positive note for Kievo here. But guys, we're talking sixty-four to thirty-six percent uh, possession for uh, at Napoli's favor, uh, twenty to six on shots, and just nightmare games for Gambarini and. Randovanovic, Rand, Rand, it's I think it's Radovanovic, but Randovanovic is probably better. Yeah, who is this guy? <laughs> Random. Like, I mean, he was so bad that to sub him off right after half because basically Insigne and Hobsick made him look like a drunk fat kid ice skating for the first time. Just moments after discovering that there's this thing called water that freezes and it makes a slippery substance known to the rest of mankind as ice. 
That guy, I think he had like a 4.9 on who scored. I mean, I think like I think you get a 4.5 just for like having your name spelled correctly on the back of your jersey. But there yeah, you go. just just but the big news is speaking of ACLs, Milik subs on this game. Mertens has the day off. Pavoletti starts. Pavoletti gets subbed on. We have Milik. So my question to you guys is, you know, with the rise of Mertens and the signing of Pavoletti, is Milik going to see much playing time? Well, I think that they need to take their time with him. Uh, I think uh, Florenzi's re-injuring of the ACL just goes to show that you need to be very careful with these knees. Um, it's honestly amazing that Milik's even back this season. I mean, five years ago, it would have been next season, next season. It, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's unbelievable how incredible technologies. And it just goes to show how unlucky Strootman has been or was and how unlucky Florenzi is re-tearing his ACL. Yeah, got to be careful with the ACLs. I think how far they go in champions will be a factor too because they've got Coppa Italia, the league, and champions right now. Yeah. They're going to have to be running through a bunch of players for these uh, big games, uh, thinking probably like Roma, Ben, don't break. Try to try to get through this long haul and of the season. We know it's been long enough. We forget that Milik was on fire before he tore his ACL at the beginning of the season. Yeah. All right, so we got Napoli in third with 54, and they got Chievo down in 11th with 32 points. Up next for the top five, we got Bologna and Inter. This one finished 0-1. I, what do you guys think? A bit of a snoozer here. Gabigol grabs his first goal to take Inter past Bologna. They maintain the coveted fourth place for the Europa spot. What do you guys think? Inter dodge a bullet on this one because even though they generally dominate the game and chances created in possession, Bologna are hanging around the whole time. And when you, you know, you have players like Petkovic and, and, and Verde and, and informed Gemayli, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, Palacio misses an absolute tap in the first half, showing that despite his experience, the Jedi warrior is in the twilight of his career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one's happier about the Icardi band than Palacio. He gets he gets a couple t- times to come in and remind everybody that he's just an absolute rat braid coming out. How do you live with yourself having that thing? <laughs> Like when you turn your head and the thing just whips you in the mouth. Do you think it like? Do you think like? it like? Is it, he's like a dirty, dirty man too? And he like chews on it. Like when he's at the house, like he's like twirling it around. Like what? What is his obsession with that? With that rat dread? I'm I'm sure there's a backstory to it. I haven't seen it, but I agree. It's huge just, Star Wars fan. He's got to be a huge Star Wars fan. But I, although like when Shanghai I, noon man. Yeah, when I lived in Italy, though, you'd see tons of Argentinian backpackers and like. The, like the greasy ones, like the ones who look like they have about five or six dogs back in Argentina, <laughs> all have all have that that rat braid Jedi look, and it's like, what are you going on? You know, what's going on here? I think it's just like you know, it says to me that they don't pass on grass. All right. So what else? Uh, what else we got uh, for for Inter uh, in this game? Yeah, despite not having Icardi on the field, Inter show that they can create chances without him. Uh, they do they do this through wide play. They've done it the whole season. Kandreva and Perisic, uh, they both have decent games. But Ambrosio was the man of the match for this one. He has an assist in the 81st to the one and only Gabriel, a.k.a. Gabi goal. Guys, he has a tap-in goal, and I mean tap-in. Yeah. He could have like gone on his knees and headed this thing in, but still he rips off his shirt and he goes behind the net, an ecstatic celebration. I think that you could really tell that expectations have been weighing on him, and maybe that's why he's so short. He just had all that load off, just he's <laughs> had to carry. No, but... You know, let's see if he's able to unlock his potential uh, now that he got his first goal. He is a really young, exciting talent. How many undershirts does that guy need? Like he ripped off his jersey and he had like a long sleeve over like like another shell and then like another like another spandex thing. It's like, bro, gotta stay warm. Brazilian bro. man. <laughs> um, no Destro today. Uh, really, just few chances for Bologna. Nothing to get excited about if you're a Bologna fan, and but you are hoping that at the end of the season you can retain some of the talent and really just move forward. One thing that I had to point out, gotta love Andanovic, the handyman, rocking the black cap. He's uh, kind of looking like a soccer dad on a Saturday. All he's missing is a hot cup of joe and a newspaper in his hand. Uh, he literally, he had one save to make today, so I guess the sun didn't have to affect him that much. Yeah. 
Yeah, all right. So there we go with uh, Inter there. They are in fourth place with 48 points, but uh, they're tied on points with our next game coming up. And we've got Bologna, uh, just not much to positive to talk about. They're in 15th with 27 points. Up next, Atalanta and the mighty Crouton Nation, Crotone. This one finishes 1-0 for uh, Atalanta. They're at home for this game. They keep it slightly interesting with the croutons and just sneak by here in this game. The scene here, guys, it's a cold, rainy night up in Bergamo. The only ray of sunshine in this entire highlight reel was the tiki-tapa type buildup for the goal. You got Papu Gomez getting a touch here and there, Petania, and then finally Conti. They all contributed for the buildup, and they get their goal. For the crew- Speaking of crazy celebration, you see Petania and make that pass. And he scored. He acted like he scored. I know. Like, when, when, sorry, when Conti scored the pass, he acted like he scored. Man. Yeah. He went absolutely crazy. Yeah, jumped over the, the uh, advertisement and everything. I, th- I think villagers nearby were starting to grab pitchforks and, and, and burn torches. They're like, oh, my God, the ogre's going nuts. <laughs> La Dea, la goddess. Um, for the croutons, poor defending, just a poor game. The only positive was going to be their goalkeeper with Cordaz, who was at one point looked like Rocky Balboa here in the mid-round montage scenes. Just shot after shot in quick succession. They're going off to, after the woodwork uh, and just well done keeping it one nothing because uh, he got beat up bad in this game. So that was really it. Uh, whenever you're talking about Crotona, you don't really have uh, much to talk about. So... Yeah, Atalanta, the darlings of Serie A, they're in fifth place with 48 points, tied with Inter Milan, and you got Loli Crotone down there in 13th, just a point above Piscara, who's gonna we're gonna talk a lot thir- about. They're not in 13th place. Sorry, uh, 19th. Uh, Chris, no matter how many times you say it, it's three. not gonna become true. Yeah, Crotone with 13 points down in 19th place. You dare to dream, dare to dream, Crotone for that 13. Comic points. Sans Croutons. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, guys, that'll do it for the top five. We're going to take a quick break and then go to the middle of the pack. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Sumner Furniture. Sumner Furniture are office furniture experts based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. They provide high-quality new and used office furniture for all-size jobs, ranging from just one chair to million-square-foot offices. Sumner provides space designs, commercial moves, delivery and installation for projects nationwide. Check out their website, SumnerFurniture.com, or their eBay store. Contact them and mention Curve America for an additional 10% off any new or used office chair. First up in middle of the pack, we got OTFR playing Empoli. OTFR takes this one 2-1, making history by being the first team in the Serie A to have a rat as the man of the match. <laughs> Took me a second to, to get through that one. Uh, I was waiting all day for you to read that. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the action in this one, guys, takes place in the second half. Kroonich! Uh, puts Empley up 1-0 with a shot from distance. Great goal. Yeah, it basically caused the Joint Chiefs of Staff to brief Donald Trump about a missile launch in Tuscany. He just <laughs> yeah. blasted the heck of this out of this thing. Um, Immobile ties it up with just a, a classic poached goal from a deflection. Chris uh, or Marco, do you guys know how Immobile likes his eggs? Poached. Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> Can't believe I wasn't quicker on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but all the difference is made was when Inzaghi uh, subs on Keita and he gets OTR the three points when he blasts a shot in the box that deflects off Costas' arm and goes in the goal. So, even if it would have gone out of bounds, he would have gotten a, a, probably gotten a PK. But this is, again, just an absolute thrashing on OTFR's part after. Um, after Krunich's goal, they're 55 to 45 possession, 21 to 6 on, on shots. And guys, the story of Empoli is they just they have no attack. Big Mac looked like an old man, just isolated and ineffective. Um, maybe a little bit of help uh, on the horizon with El Cadori, but I think we all know that El Cadori is not a difference-making Serie A player. Um, and basically, you just had 8,700 people 
turn up to watch Ratlich play like Felipe Anderson, and he basically himself facilitated the second half comeback. He had eight dribbles in this game. He had some dazzling through balls, and thankfully for him, was able to keep the racial comments to an absolute minimum in the post-game press conference. Glad to hear that. But no surprise that Skrupski was Empoli's best player again. Yeah, he had some great saves in this game, uh, but you're right, Tad. Just just not much uh, coming out of Empoli as far as scoring goes. Hell, but- by the end of this season, Skrupski is about to be the best goalkeeper in Europe because of all the practice he's getting. Yeah. And, you know, Empoli is not even able to take advantage of the fact that OTFR now has to play a backup goalkeeper. They got this dude named Thomas Strakosha, who I've never heard of, but I'm not surprised. I don't know who the backup goalkeeper for OTFR is because Marchetti is done for the rest of the season. Um, but, yeah, OTFR take three points. Empoli just they have no one to score, so they got to watch Skrupski just trench foot back there and have all these shots blasted on him. All right, so we got OTFR on 47 points, uh, sixth place just behind Inter and Atalanta. So there's definitely very much in the hunt uh, for the Europa spots. And Empoli down there maybe falling into the danger zone. They're in 17th place with 22 points. Palermo's got 14. We'll see what happens there. Up next, we've got the game that was definitely pegged as the game of the week for Week 25. We've got Milan and Fiorentina. So a good middle-of-the-pack battle here with some two big names. With 2-1, we got newcomer Delafo coming up huge in an absolutely critical matchup. I think it's fly when girls stop by for the summer, for the summer. Summer girl! This, that song actually came up when I was running this week, so it's fresh in my mind now of all the LFO lyrics. It's so bad. Wait, now <laughs> the, we great, know. the great Larry Bird jersey 33. Yeah. Now it's, we know what Pandora you listen to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, all the goals came in the first half. And really, Milan were able to hold off a Fiorentina assault and to keep the European dreams alive. 13 games left, and this is the kind of matchup that has repercussions. Because Fiorentina and Milan had one point separating each other before this match, and Atalanta and Inter at 48. So, you know, these teams are all currently battling for Europe. Scoring in the first half, half opened up with Kuka, header from a set piece. He's pulling Milan ahead, and then just four minutes later, Kalinic gets a goal. He's set up by Chiesa. Kalinic now has 11 goals. I think he's having himself quite the decent season. I think the Chinese would agree. The moment of the match comes when Gerard Summergirl Delefo tucks away the game winner off a Pasalic pass. Beautiful finish. A hype to see the new boy get on the score sheet for the Rossoneri. And also a very good game from Pasadic. Uh, he's so young. It's just very impressive. Um, the game itself, though, was dominated by Fiorentina, especially after the second goal. They had about three times the amount of shots and double the amount of possession. It just was not in the cards for them today after a good performance in Germany earlier in the week for Europa League. Guys, Fiorentina have a big game against Torino this weekend. And it's the battle of 8th place versus ninth. And look, Torino's pretty much already out. But if Fiorentina lose, is this Fiorentina's and Sousa's last chance of the season because of the way points are right now? Yeah, you got to start to look at it. It's, it's got to be a game of desperation. And that's the way Fiorentina is going to basically have to play for the rest of the season. They still have Atalanta, they still have Inter, they still have OTFR, they still have Napoli. So they're going to really need to take three points um, from Torino at this point if they, if they want any chance of, of making it into Europe. Yeah, looking at the table, like these next three teams in it with uh, Torino, Samp, and Kievo, that's the breaking point, I think, of just, you know, if you're going to challenge, there's just enough season left where you could maybe do it. But uh, I, I agree, Fiorentina's got to make some moves here for uh, staying in contention. And, and even taking it a step further, if they don't make it into Europe, we can, they can basically f- pretty much consider their team plundered in the, in the summer. Yeah. A lot of their big players are going to want to go out and play in Europe. Yep, that's, that's a right. Good point. That's right. That's, again, that's why I think that this game, you know, it's a pertinent question. Because Torino, I mean, obviously we know how their season's kind of floundered, but... Fiorentina's had some results and they're doing well in Europa League, but a loss at Torino would just create such a big gap. You just, they're not going to win out with OTFR, Napoli, and Inter still to play. Yeah. On the flip side of this kind, though, guys, Milan, I mean, they were in free fall a few weeks back. I mean, they lost three in a row. Um, 
And then now they've won two out of their last three. And, you know, one of those victories was a nine men win over Bologna. And I get it. Bologna's trash. Um, but, you know, they're still hanging around at seventh. And I think if, if, if they can really, you know, lean on Donnarumma uh, to, you know, keep them in games, I think they have the uh, the firepower to, to move up. And it would be, a, I think, a really interesting story if Milan ends up in, in Europe, European contention at the end of the season. Yeah, if you're looking for a scrappy underdog story in Syria, I'd say Milan is it uh, this season. It's been, it's been fun to watch them challenge. I can't believe that that sentence has just been said. I mean, yeah. If you're looking for the scrappy underdog, Milan. Yeah, that's definitely an, uh, a weird season with, that, with saying stuff like that. So middle of the pack, we've got Milan, 7th place with 44, and Fiorentina in 8th place with 40. Some big game, big games coming up for them uh, for sure in the upcoming weeks here. Up next, we got Sampdoria and Cagliari. This one finished 1-1 draw. Ted, uh, not much to talk about in this game, huh? Yeah, I'd say the headline for this game is I got bored watching the highlights. Yeah. Um, you know, healthy... 18,500 people turn up to watch this game, and they're really rewarded early on. In the sixth minute, Isla has a goal, um, you know, kind of a crappy goal where he's where basically just reaffirms the whole thing that the back post in soccer is really important, so somebody should probably be back there covering it. Um, and then Quags, he basically had the better of the two goals. He got held up. Luis Muriel uh, passed behind him. He, he stopped on a dime, knocked it in, 1-1. And that's it. I guess you could say Sampdoria dominated the possession, but it doesn't really matter. It's our only tie of the week. No Boriello in this game, so we can't even make any hilarious references to references to his wild promiscuity. Um, Ibarbo came on, but Ibarbo to me is just the guy that I remember for disappointing me greatly when we signed him as a transfer at Roma. You know, so one one. But I think the most interesting thing that came out of this week for either of these teams is uh, Quags's dad came out and said that the reason that Quags left Napoli um, was because there was a police officer that was stalking and harassing him. Um, and how it came in the news is this guy just got sentenced to five years in prison, and I couldn't really tell if it was for the stalking. I don't think so. I think there's some mafia collusion going on in there. But apparently sending him death threats, like putting out all these rumors that, that, uh, that let's say, um, Quags likes people that are not of legal age. Um, you know, having to leave because of the situation, super interesting story. Definitely. But, you know, end of the day, we can still say quags. Yeah. Quags. All right. So we've got uh, Qualiarez Sampdoria in 10th place with 34 points and Cagliari in 14th with 28. Only took me two weeks, guys, and I got that word down. Sampdoria and Cagliari, those two two battle words for Chris over here. That's right. Italian is hard. Up next, guys, we've got Udinese and Sassuolo. This one finished 1-2. Sassuolo actually gets one. Even a clock is right two times a day, guys. They eke out a victory in this one with super sub, man of the match performance, DeFrel. And Udinese gets gut punched here. Another late goals, uh, two late goals for them uh, losing this game. Udinese strikes first here with Fofana making it count. Just a volley from outside the box that absolutely ripped the net on arrival. Yeah, he volleyed it to himself and just blasted the... I mean, amazing goal. Goal of the week candidate, for sure. Yep, that was in the seventh minute. And most of the game looks like that's going to be the difference maker from Fofana. Uh, just enough for to beat Sassuolo, who's uh, just underperforming this season, uh, and just add to another disappointment uh, for them uh, on the year. But we jump all the way to the 66th minute, and Super Sub DeFrel comes on. And for Sassuolo, four minutes later, he's celebrating with the Nero Verdi, getting the equalizer on a cross. And you guys, what do you think? He's done there? Absolutely not. He's got another one in the 79th minute. Another- wait, wait, wait. No, I don't think he's done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Margo. Uh, another goal of the week candidate here. This time, 25 yards out, he sends a curler that absolutely freezes goalkeeper Carnesis in his tracks. It's the game winner, and uh, he's out celebrating. Uh, well done to Frell in this game. Not much else to report on between either of these teams. Uh, just really Udinese gets uh, gut-punched in this one, and Sassuolo runs away with it. Yeah, DeFrell's been quiet ever since all the links of the transfer window. So uh, it's good to see him come out and you know have a brace as a super sub, hopefully get himself back on track because he'd hate for him to be a flash in the pan. Unfortunately, though, Berardi 
he's slowly but surely trying to 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 work his way back into fitness and be in you know game shape but it, it just another kind of pedestrian performance for him yeah so we got Sassuolo in t- 12th place after this result they edge uh, Udinese they've got 30 points Udinese is right behind him in 13th with 29 so both teams are safe uh, but uh, definitely middle of the pack uh, contenders there next game we got could this be so are we already down to the danger zone. All right. Ins- Richard's danger zone. Inspiration from Richard Whittle on BN. We've got Piscata and Genoa, and this is absolutely one of the main stories of Serie A Week 25, guys. This one finishes 5 nothing. Let me say that again. 5 nothing in Piscara's favor. A lot of it to do because of their new coach, Zeman, the legendary Dolphin trainer, is back. That's right. <laughs> Guys, Genoa's nightmare of a day starts with a fifth-minute own goal from defender Lucas Orban. Ball gets sent up the field. Alberto Cherry, who had himself a game, tries to maybe shoot, lay off the ball across the goal. Nobody really knows. Obron takes a kick, the ball redirects it into the goal, and everybody on Genoa's team's collectively shouting out, Orban <laughs> sounded like the name of a misbehaving cave troll. Dude, speaking of cave trolls, though, Cherry, that guy, he's, he's like eight feet tall, bald dude. I mean, like everybody on Pescara is like a bald rat. He's a beast, and he gets a goal later on in the game. But the man of the match is Caprari, the ex-Roma man. He gets a brace. Uh, he takes his tally to seven, and really he's been Pescara's most dangerous player as of late. Since Ray Ray has been, been MIA. Him and Benali, who's also been picking up the slack for Ray Ray, still don't know where he's at. Probably should look into that. <laughs> uh, he gets one as well, uh, Benali, uh, and then Pescara just wrap up the scoring with a chitty goal. And like I said, you know he's a big guy. He likes to play the point. He's running in behind six foot four, twenty year old Italian guys. Very impressive game from our man Cherry. Genoa, on the other hand, 10 games without a win, and they have more chances, more possession, just can't get it done. Guys, I think the podcast agrees here. This is the team that we would love to substitute into the danger zone. (laughs) I would love to take Pescada out and just throw Genoa in there and and just be done with them. Yeah, I'd like to take Crotone out and throw Bologna down there. (laughs) Genoa is so interesting. They still like... You're right. They're just they give terrible performances, and then they beat teams like Juventus, like out of nowhere or something. You know, it's it's just crazy how they're up and down all over the place. How about this question here, guys? Since I can get a little ahead of myself when it comes to the Dolphins, Biscata's got their old coach back. That's the big news this week. They've had a decent transfer window and they've been playing well. So I'm not going to say they're going to save themselves, even though I think they're probably still going to end up in Europe, but. Which one of these danger zone teams is going to end up at the very bottom? Chum of the chum. That's a great question. Palermo? I think it's I Palermo. Mean, until the, the Zeman thing, I, I really thought Pescara was done. I, I, just, Who's Zeman? What did I see? Like the 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 <laughs> boss at the end of Zelda? <laughs> what did I? Zidane? Is that what I said? Or Zeman? Zeman. <laughs> Zeman. I was absolutely floored when Zeman became Pescara's coach again like I mean I get it it's a it's a beautiful town um you know you can you can get really excited and blow water out of your out of your blowhole um you know but I mean the canned Dolphins this year have just been trash but then this dude steps in and out of nowhere their players look like they're stars you know we're talking about 20 year old Cherry being six foot four and how awesome he's gonna be you know all this kind of stuff and it's like since it's since it's Zeman, I'm I'm almost like, dude, could they march out of here? Could this be like the yeah. story of, of of the rest of the season? Is they you know they they rattle off like six out of eight wins and and then down goes Genoa and we have uh, we have Pescar out there. I mean, it's great to see Zeman back coaching in the uh, uh, Zeman back coaching in the Serie A. Um, you know, it's 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 funny that like you know these guys they they take breaks and you don't see them for a while and then you're like you know you think of them like oh my god I wonder what that guy's doing. It's good to have quality coaches in the Syria hashtag obvious statement, but uh, it, it it would be really a great story if they could march out. But that, who's going to be at the bottom? I think Palermo. So do you you guys see Empoli getting caught here with one of these bottom three? Is that a real possibility? I, I see Genoa 
not getting another more than a couple points for the rest of the season, and, and, and somebody can catch them. How many point? How many points does Genoa have? Genoa has twenty five right now. Empoli's twenty two, and then the danger zone. You got fourteen, thirteen, and twelve respectively. <laughs> That's pretty far away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Piscata is still vying for Champions League. <laughs> But it makes the bottom uh, part of the table fun. So, that hey, that's an extra twist on the season. I, I do want to just stay with uh, Piscar because before, like, we're all elated here with this 5 nothing uh, win, Piscar was an absolute dumpster fire last week. Um, they fired Massimo Odo, but the day earlier they had announced unanimous support for him, and then they fire him the next day in the hope that this additional sacrifice can empower the group of players to make sure there is no repeat of the recent performances. What the heck is going on in Piscara before this game? Uh, what do you guys think? There, we just well, I mean, they had the Christmas party debacle. They had the uh, the, the firebombing of the cars outside the president's house. The I love you, I hate you Italian melodrama with Massimo Odo. I mean, just watching Massimo Odo, and I'm going to miss watching him on the sidelines because he was always good for one just absolute freak out each game. And then out of this. They pulled the rabbit out of the hat by having, you know, a successful Syria coach say, "Old like, warlock." Yeah, yeah, I'll come and I'm going to dump them. I'm going to th- not throw gasoline on this dumpster fire. I'm going to come with a fire hose. Um, it's to me, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how how the season plays out with these guys because I start off with a five zero victory. It's a statement. Yep, Forza Delfini. So we'll see if Piscar can get out of the basement. Well, Genoa end up. Can and their coach Urich after this game, they seems like they have enough. So maybe maybe they can bring in some crazy coach. Maybe they hire Massimo Oda. Yeah, yeah, right. That would be interesting. <laughs> so uh, we've already kind of touched on it, but Pescara massive win here. They're twelve points now, uh, still very bottom of the league. Um, but we've who, got- who wants to bet that Gattuso is going to end up coaching the Genoa? <laughs> Just bringing old names back. Yep. And we got Genoa with 25 points, uh, pretty safe from the danger zone. But I don't know. There's some people on this podcast thinking they might fall down in there. All right, guys. So let's do some awards here. Week 25, goal of the week first. What do we got? I'm going to give it to Paredes in the second half of Roma Torino. Absolutely just puts his foot through the ball, come popping out of the 18 on a corner. It was, to me, the goal of the week. There's so many good goals this week, and I could give it to any of the goals um, scored in the Roma game, but I'm going to have to go with Dybala's free kick. I mean, nothing is more exciting to me than watching a free kick curling goal where the guy nails it and there's just no way that the the goalkeeper can save it. So I'm going to give it to Dybala this week. Anytime you have someone ripping their shirt off for a tap-in goal, you got to give them goal of the week. Gab a goal for Inter, keeping them in the race. Uh, that one's for me. All right, on the other side of the field, guys, what do we got for save of the week for the goalkeepers? Carnesis is, is a save for me. They lose the game, but right at the end, there was he had a double save where he stops one point blank that basically almost you know, doubles him over, and then he hops up um, and blocks the rebound tap in. So, Carnesis, you get it. I'm going to go with uh, the only positive out of Crotone this week. Uh, Cortez, man, just... Rocky Balboa, incarnate. Uh, just well done keeping it one nothing in the loss. I'm going to give it to Reyna on Bobby English. Ball head for the bottom left-hand corner of the goal. Reyna gets down like a cat. I mean, it's hard to believe this guy is like mid-30s right now. He's just... Uh, I love Pepe Reyna. He looks good. All right. Well, there we go with the awards. Uh, we're going to catch up. We did this at the end of the podcast this week. Uh, but, Marco, why don't you run us through? We had some great games in the Europe uh, tournaments, Europa and Champions. Uh, what were the results for the Italian teams last week? Yeah, I mean, overall good, but Napoli lose 1-3 uh, in Real at the Bernabeu. Uh, it really was a long shot. Real is the favorite of the tournament. And for the upcoming leg in two weeks, Real has bailed back. And uh, Napoli will be at home. So we'll see how that goes. I, I'm still going to be optimistic. This yeah. game was very reminiscent to me of the when Roma played Real Madrid last year in the Champions League, where it looked like they played they played better out of the two teams. But Real Madrid, man, they know how to finish. They find goals. Yep. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought Napoli, uh, I was hoping for more. So I'm still optimistic with the home game, but uh, we'll see. Guys, Roma absolutely punished Villarreal. 
uh, and they're away from home at the Madrigal for nothing. Jekyll show Emerson really just showed his full potential this game. So glad to see him firing on all cylinders. It's just awesome. Roma just just got Villarreal up out of there. Like peace, next game. And now it's they're coming up on a string of big games. The fact that they, you know, don't have to worry about this Villarreal game right before the Inter and Napoli game. I think that's a big bonus. Don't have to worry about it too much. We are Roma fans after that's right. all. That's right. <laughs> Fiorentina also went away to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Glabin, Glockbach. Marching Glockbach. Good. Good for the Bundesliga. Sick free kick from Bernadeschi. Could not have gone any more U9. This was just amazing result for Fiorentina. Feel the burn, baby. Yeah. Coming up this week, we got Juve Porto. And guys, we've said it before. Juve is the favorite here. They're one of the favorites to win Champions League. And then it's the away legs for the European Europa League games. Juve just needs to wax out Porto. Just, just wax them out. Yep. Make a statement. So pretty good results. Uh, hopefully Napoli can do a little bit better coming up, but uh, Italy well represented uh, in the Europe tournament. So uh, best of luck for the upcoming games. I think that'll do it, guys. Uh, week 25 in the books, Europe in the books. Uh, I think that's it. Until next time, we say... Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao.